1: The one thing you can give your child is God. That's not, that doesn't mean you bring them here on a Sunday. No. The one thing you can give your child is the word of God. Teach them in a way that they will not depart. Not teach them when, you, when it's convenient. Not bringing them here and have the church raise your children. We have children's ministry. The teachers there, it's not their responsibility, it's not the church's responsibility to raise them up in the ways of God. That's your responsibility.
0: As a believer and parent, your single most important job in life is to bring your child up to know and love Jesus. It's not a job to be handed off to others. Your children must see you valuing God's Word, prioritizing church and fellowship, and walking in obedience to God. Today, Pastor Eddie will explain how important Timothy's upbringing was for his faith. His mother and grandmother gave him the solid foundation of the gospel, and his life was built on that. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 as he continues his message, Greetings from Paul.
1: Many of the early church fathers, Polycarp, uh, Justin Martyr, and Irenaeus support that Second Timothy, along with First Timothy, is that of the Apostle Paul. Ultimately, for you and I, believers in Jesus Christ, we know who wrote this book, and it's actually Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the verses. There's going to be a lot of popular verses. From 2nd Timothy, we read 2nd Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Paul writes this. He says, "All scripture is given by inspiration, all, not some, not a few." And you got a lot of liberal scholars who want to rip pages off the Bible, or you have some who want to add to the Bible. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and his profitable doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God and the woman may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And as we study the scripture, we're going to find, yes, there's no way that a man could come up with this much of intelligence and to come with these amazing words that are consistent with the other other books of the Bible. So now, before the Apostle Paul, a little bit about the Apostle Paul, before his name was Paul, uh, his name, his birth name was Saul. Uh, he was named after the tribe, he was from the tribe of Benjamin, and one of the famous uh, leaders in the tribe of Benjamin was the first king of Israel, King Saul. And so... His name was Saul, Saul of Tarsus. He was from Tarsus. But before he became an apostle, before he wrote these epistles, he was a persecutor of the church. He was a terrorist to the early church. He would persecute. As a matter of fact, he was the one holding the coats uh, as they were stoning the very first Christian martyr recorded for us in the scriptures in the book of Acts, his name is Stephen. And he went to arrest. He was on the road of Damascus. It wasn't until Acts chapter 9 when he was on the road to Damascus on his way to arrest Christians that he himself found himself arrested by Jesus Christ. Christ knocked him off the horse. It says, why are you persecuting me? And that's important. When the church is being persecuted, whether here or even in Ukraine or anywhere around the world, they're persecuting Jesus Christ. And it was then... That he followed the Lord. He became a follower of Christ. His life was changed. So he changed his name from Saul to Paul. And Paul means little. Little. In other words, he humbled himself and called himself Paul. Well, we looked at the who. There's another who. And the who is the recipient of this letter. Is Obviously, is Timothy. Timotheus. He's Timothy's protege, Timotheus is how you pronounce it, but he's called a true uh, son of the faith, and we're going to find here in, in our study, he's called the, my beloved son. Timothy is the English form of Timotheus, and here's the meaning of the name Timothy, and I think it's beautiful. It's important when you name your children, don't name them just to have a cool name, okay? Name, find out the meaning of these names, Okay. I know nowadays they just name I don't their child. I want to name him Rubik's Cube. It just sounds cool. When COVID happened, there was in a news article that a a couple named their child COVID. No lie, but I'm not surprised. Anyway, Timothy, his name means one who honors and worships God. That's what Timothy means. It has a good meaning. One who honors and worships God. And as you study the life of Timothy throughout the New Testament, you'll find that he lived up to that name. He truly was one who honored God and worshiped God. It is believed that the apostle Paul met Timothy when he was about in his thirties. Now he's receiving this letter. He's in his forties and um, he considered him a son in the faith, but Timothy did have a father and he did have a mother. As a matter of fact, even a grandmother's uh, mentioned in the first chapter, by the way. And uh, he was raised by his mother, Eunice, and grandmother, Lois. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Paul writes, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Remember when I met you. <laughs> Which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. I am persuaded is in you also. He said, "I saw your parents and your grandparents, and I know that you have this faith because they have this faith. They have the Word of God, and now you have it. And parents, this is why it's so important. We live in a busy world. The one thing you can give your child is God. That's not, that doesn't mean you bring them here on a Sunday." No, the one thing you could give your child is the Word of God. Teach them in a way that they will not depart. Not teach them when, you, when it's convenient. Not bring them here and have the church raise your children. We have children's ministry. The teachers there, it's not their responsibility, it's not the church's responsibility to raise them up in the ways of God. That's your responsibility. You have teenagers, you have youth. It's not the church, it's not the youth program, it's you, the parent. You need to raise up your child. And if your child finds, you know, you changing schedule around, why can't we go to church every day? Well, because, you know, we have sports, we have activities, we have work, we have things to do. We want to go hiking, we want to go play golf, we want to go hunting. If your life is filled with that, what do you expect your kids are going to do when they grow up? Well, how would you raise up? Uh, We went to church every now and then. Don't blame your kids when they leave the Lord, when they go into the university. Because that's where most Christians lose lose and walk away from the Lord. They walk away from the Lord. This is where they lose their faith. They walk away from the Lord because they're now in a captive audience. And who's teaching your children? The universities, society, social media. But because your child is busy with sports and all kinds of things, and they don't have the word of God, don't expect them to do that when they get older. Because they're learning from the best, aren't they? I had, listen, I grew up, my father, it was church. We went to church three or four times a week. What do you think What happened when I, when I got married and had my kids? I went to church three or four times a week. I'm a pastor now. I, I wanted to join sports. I wanted to do things. And my father said, well, well, I always wanted to be a baseball player. And I remember, you know, I remember telling my father, I say, dad, um, You know, the guys in in the neighborhood, they want me to join the team because, you know, they really like the way I play. Um, And he said, well, okay. Um, When do they have games? Uh, Saturdays and Sundays. Sundays, forget about it. That was it. I thought I would be destroyed. I don't need therapy. I'm okay right now. I'm doing okay. Some people may think that. My wife may agree. Yes, you need therapy. Should allow them to play baseball. No. Listen, how many times parents have put their sporting equipment on the lawn to sell? Did absolutely nothing. All I'm saying, this is the testimony. This is why Timothy was named Timothy, because he worshiped God. And throughout his life, you find it because he had godly parents. In fact, his father is not a Christian, by the way. It doesn't say he was a Greek. You're going to find that later on. Nonetheless... His mother and his grandmother preached the word of God to him. That's exactly what happened even to a boy who was raised up in a Christian home. I'll give you the quick story of this. A boy who was raised up in a Christian home in the 1800s in London um, then his father was never around. His father was a seaman. and He would actually be out in sea most of his days. His mother would raise him up by quoting scripture and have him repeat the scriptures. And he learned the scriptures until he, ra- he, was, he grew up to be a man. He joined uh, the Royal Navy. But when he joined the Royal Navy, he was called the great blasphemer. He would get drunk and co- have fights He would leave the ship, and in those days, for insubordination, the Royal Navy would whip you, and he would have like almost a dozen times he was whipped. And then he left that ship to join another ship, in which it was involved with slave trading. It went downhill from there. He stole all the whiskey from the ship, got so drunk he fell overboard. And the only way to bring him in to the, to the ship, they had to harpoon him in. And one of the, uh, his fellow mates saw him and he said, The only way to save him, we got to harpoon him in. So they did just that. And he has a scar for the rest of his life. And at the age of 23, that's right, that was all before the age of 23. At the age of 23, his father, uh, friends of his father, took him in and, you know, he, he kind of started to change his life. And then he was the captain of his own ship. His ship was caught in a storm for 11 days, and the winds tore the sails, and the side of the ship was ripped and torn, and the men on the ship were trying to just mechanically pump out the water to keep the boat afloat, and in order for him to see anything, he had to be tied to the hem of the ship. So as he was tied to the hem of the ship, finally, they were saved. But it was during that time when he was tied to the hem of the ship when he remembered the verses that were quoted to him. And the verses that his mother spoke into his life, it went from his head while he was tied to the hem of the ship and, and it went to his heart where he, his name is John Newton gave his life to Jesus Christ. And John Newton came to be a cleric. He wrote with 280 hymns, even the hymn that you know, Amazing Grace. Why? Godly mother, raised up their children, knowing the Bible, knowing the Bible. But anyway, I didn't want to go off on that, but I think it was important. Timothy, if you study his life, he was Paul's disciple, helper, companion. He was even in prison with Paul. He was with Paul when he wrote six of his 13 or 14 letters, Second Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, and finally, he was with Paul when he penned those letters. That is why he calls him, if you look at verse 2, to Timothy, a beloved son. Now let's look at the what. What is the theme? To be faithful to the end. To be faithful to the end. Be faithful, as Paul says, I have fought the fight. I have ran the race. Be faithful to the end. The key verse is found in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. We read this. We'll read it again. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And that is the key verse for this um, incredible letter. And it's a message that the apostle Paul wanted uh, to leave with his son in the faith, Timothy, before his death. And this is a message for all of us today because it's applicable. We need to run the race. We need to finish. We need to keep the faith. We need to be faithful to the end. When was this written? Around A.D. 66, A.D. 67, where we already know is written in Rome. Why? We looked at this a little bit. Number one, to encourage Timothy to be faithful to the end. Number two, to encourage Timothy to remain faithful to the work of the gospel. And finally, to pass on the ministry, uh, the mantle of ministry to him. Now, let's look at the outline. The outline. Chapter one deals with holding and to hold and keep the gospel. Be faithful to hold and keep the gospel, Timothy. Chapter two, fight and suffer for the gospel. That's a tough one. We don't know what that's like in the West. Chapter three, continue in sound doctrine. It's a message that Paul is constantly reminded all his recipients in the church today. Continue in sound doctrine in chapter four, preach the word. Well, we looked at the background, the who, what, where, and why. We looked at the outline. We read our text. Let us now study our text verse by verse. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul is not giving his title here as to exalt himself in any way. Obviously, Timothy knows that Paul is an apostle. He followed him. He heard the story a thousand times. Paul, I love you, man, but I heard about Jesus knocking off the horse when you met him in the road to Damascus. I can imagine the conversations between the two. But Paul inserts his title here to let all know, not not only Timothy, not only the church of Ephesus, that's where Timothy was last seen as pastoring, not only for all the churches 2,000 years, but for Calvary Chapel of Milford as well, to know that he is writing with authority as an apostle, It is written, so when we read this, we know Paul, okay, who Paul? An apostle of Jesus Christ. That should let us know, hey, this is not just some guy named Paul writing a letter. What he's about to write is by the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, the Greek word apostle is the Greek word apostolos, and it means sent out one. So this title is used a lot, especially those who like to exalt themselves and give you a business card, archbishop, apostle, reverend, whatever, you know. But an apostle, in a a broad sense, in a general sense, every single one of us are apostolos. We have been sent out to share the gospel, right? We come here, we learn. And, you know, we learn the word, we go out there, we teach the word, we come in here, you know, we, um, we study the gospel, and we go out there, we preach the gospel. That's what we do. Okay, you're being sent out to share the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. That was the great commission. In a general sense, we're all apostolos. So if you, come with a, if you come across some religious leader, well, don't start any trouble. But anyway, if they tell you they're an apostle, they say, yeah, me too, isn't it great? They're like in their robe. I'm an apostle of Jesus. So am I. It's awesome. Where do you share the gospel? I preach my sermons every Sunday. Where? Oh, that's great. I go outside in the corner where nobody wants to go. I pray. I've been sent out. So, in a broad sense, we are apostles. However. There is an apostle, a qualification for apostle. Some people say that's the uppercase A apostle, like the apostle Paul, the apostle John, apostle Peter, because the scriptures does gives us the qualification of an apostle. An apostle, the qualification for where you can read that in Acts chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. And let me read it for you right now. Uh, Acts chapter 1. And here, if you recall, there, there in the upper room, And Judas is no longer um, in the picture. He committed suicide. Um, All the other 11 were there. They're casting lots. But in order to find which one would be the 12th apostle, it says here, therefore, these men who have accompanied us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So in order to be an apostle, according to scripture, you have to have been with Jesus. You have to have witnessed the baptism. You have to witness the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Physically with your eyes, you have to see Jesus. And I don't think anybody 2,000 years ago qualified for that. But I just say that in a sense because there are so many people who love to exalt themselves and give themselves titles. But that's the qualification of a, an apostolos, one who's sent out by Jesus Christ. Paul, however you say, but well, Paul wasn't there. Yeah, Paul, Jesus met Paul on the road to Damascus, you remember. He saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. He saw him with his own eyes and even Jesus himself sent him. So he's a real sent out one. He's an, an apostle. First one, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. This is important. Because there are so many people who love to tie, give themselves titles, put themselves in position, and it's not by the will of God. A college degree or degrees, though it's a good thing, does not qualify one to be a pastor leader. Some denominations expect that. But it's by the will of God. There's nothing the scripture said, the we already studied First Timothy, right? Anywhere, if you remember, does it say the qualification, they needed to be educated in a Bible college? Have a, you know, a degree or went to cemetery, I mean seminary? Or they got a BLT from Mickey D's from Philly? It doesn't matter, you know, they, they get so caught up on this. Moses was a well-educated man. He was raised in Egypt and had the best education in the world at that time in ancient Egypt. 40 years he'd been in Egypt. How many years do you think he was in a desert? 40 years. Interesting. God had to take 40 years of Egypt out of him for him to have, you know, to be 40 years as a shepherd. No longer a prince of Egypt, now a shepherd. So you know what his schooling was? University of Bush. He, met the, he went to the burning bush. The Lord said, go. Okay. He followed. He didn't come out with a degree. As a matter of fact, he came out with a staff. It's not by voting leaders in. Some churches, that's what they do. Well, we need a person or by congregation, denomination, by the will of God. Paul's an apostle, not by the church of Ephesus, not by the church of Corinth, not by the church of, of um, Philippi. None of the churches of Asia, no one by the will of God. It wasn't by the other disciples or the apostles, but by the will of God. It is not by self. There's a lot of people appoint themselves. And that's the most dangerous one. Because if you appoint yourself to be a pastor or a leader, you have to do it in your own strength. And I've sadly, I've seen quite a few. When, oh, the Lord told me. Okay, when people say the Lord told me, I, I just, I can't tell you, you know, if the Lord told you or not. But that should be proof. That should be fruit. That should be scripture. And it should be consistent in the way God works. I like what Chuck Smith used to say. How do you know if you're a pastor? Turn around. See if people are following you. There's so many people that call themselves pastors. They don't have one sheep. Oh, I'm a shepherd. Where are your sheep? I'm a farmer. Where's your farm? I'm a rancher. Where's the cattle? It's by the will of God. As a matter of fact, for just $25, $25, you go online, be ordained, and get a certificate to be a minister. We shouldn't be surprised. It's been going on for a long time. $25. It's not by the will of God. I think that's going to be the most painful $25 anyone ever spent. It's not a biblical concept. The biblical concept of being called by God is being called by God and being consistent in the qualifications that we find in Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 2 and 3. Those are the qualifications. That's why it's there. So Paul did not make himself an apostle, but by the will of God.
0: You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We've been looking at some useful and practical advice from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to Timothy. This book jumps into what it looks like to be a leader in the church. Paul doesn't shy away from encouraging those who are young to run with zeal and not grow discouraged. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in spirit, in faith, in purity. If you're facing opposition because of your age, be reminded that Timothy faced similar struggles, and God used him mightily, just like he can use you too. We're so glad you joined us today for running the race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you.
2: We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit RunningTheRaceRadio.com and click on the Back to homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is RunningTheRaceRadio.com
0: Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at RunningTheRaceRadio.com We're so glad you tuned in today. And we look forward to the next edition in the book of 1 Timothy on Running the Race.